Would you look with me? Uh, yeah, they, these guys that were moved over there, I want them back over here. So y'all figure out how to. Uh, they're too far away from me. Uh, we got lots of room. I know that's not convenient, but let's let's see if we can figure it out. Okay. First Corinthians 12, would you please turn there? They'll figure that out. You can stay with me. First Corinthians 12. You said you're believing with me now, right? Now don't be, uh, don't be bothered because I said I'm doing something a little different from the first couple of nights. You didn't know what was going to happen on the first couple of nights. So, right? <laughs> You, you'll you'll be good with this. This, and I'm I'm asking you to release faith in what you uh, uh, just prayed. That we are believing for utterance on this. Significant things, important things. Uh, the Bible said in First Corinthians twelve. The uh, Talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He said in verse 5, he said, There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. Uh, I read the Dewey translation. This is differences of administrations, but most everywhere else in the New Testament, that word's translated ministry rather than administration. Now, if y'all need to spread out further, that's fine. If you're not comfortable, if you, you don't have to be too close. Just, just, I just want you somewhere in this section out here so I'm not having to do this. <laughs> Everybody say difference of ministries. ministries. They're different ministries, but the same Lord. The Lord is the, um, he is the head of, of the church. He is the head of the body, and he is the head administrator over all the ministries. He is. Not some man made organization. He is. And um, notice the word difference. Different. All ministries are not to be the same. They're not to be cookie cutter. We're not all to emphasize the same things. We're not. Uh, in Romans 11:13, Romans 11:13 says, uh, "I'm talking to you Gentiles. This is the NIV." Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry. He wasn't sent to every, uh, he wasn't sent to the, uh, the Jewish people like he was sent to the Gentiles. And he, he didn't emphasize some of the same things that the other apostles did. 
But he said, I make much, the, the King James says, what I, I magnify my office. But again, it's not the word office, it's the word ministry. I make much of my ministry. Say that out loud. I make much, I make much of my ministry. Of my ministry. Some things are supposed to be a big deal to us. You'll find that there is this trend in the world to just try to make everything common. And nothing's a big deal. No biggie, whatever. Well, that's not okay. Some things should be a big deal. God's a big deal. Right? Church is supposed to be a big deal. Ministry's a big deal. So that what does that mean? It means you... You, you see it as important. You do what you need to do to put it uh, as a priority to take care of it. I make much of my ministry. You need to know what your call is, what your emphasis is, and not keep chasing the latest thing. And not comparing yourself. To somebody else because you cannot compare two different things. Now you, you can try, but you're always going to come to the wrong conclusion. What is the purpose of comparison? <laughs> uh, you'll find that because of the fall, because of sin, uh, the nature of the flesh is selfish and prideful. And so almost everything has been turned into a competition. Phyllis watches some of the cooking shows on, on uh, TV sometime, and I just, I, I'm puzzled by it. I mean, <laughs> you know, they get so mad and so upset about a fried chicken. And I mean, eating's supposed to be fun. I mean, you cook some nice food and have a nice meal. But no, they got to get fighting mad, and somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. It's not going to be that way after this life in the kingdom of God. You not have to beat somebody to be somebody. I don't think I've ever said that exactly like that. <laughs> you don't have to beat somebody to be somebody. And you can, you can start living that way right now. In fact, we're commanded to. We're told not to compare ourselves among ourselves because it is unwise. Why? Because of this simple word, different. Have you read in Romans? Have you read in First Peter? You read in other places? Different. Having different graces, different calls, different anointings. How many times have you seen it? To one is given this. To another is given this. Somebody say different, 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 different. No two ministries are going to be exactly alike. If they are, something's wrong. Somebody has not found out what they're supposed to be doing. And they're just imitating somebody else. 
different ministries, but the same Lord. And so, what's the purpose of the comparison and the competition? It's to categorize so that somebody is a winner. Well, that means somebody's got to be a loser. And somebody is superior. That means somebody's inferior. Somebody's better. I purposely don't use the word best. The best. In describing any of our things. What do you mean? What about your staff? Aren't they the best? If they are, yours is inferior. Hmm? Well, my people are the best. If my people are the best, yours are second rate. There can only be one the best. Someone says, what's wrong with saying that? It's pride. It's wrong. You don't know all the people's. How are you going to say yours is the best? Now, I have some of the best. I have some of the best you will find anywhere. Huh? But if I say they are the best, that means yours not as good. Why would I say that to you? Yours are not as good. I don't know yours. And why can't you have some of the best too? Why has there got to be a competition? I don't have to beat somebody to be somebody. The Lord has made me somebody. And I'm unique. There's nobody else like me. There's nobody else like you. There's no other couple like Keith and Phyllis. There's no other couple like you. There's no other church, no other ministry, no other. We are unique, and we're supposed to be. And yet, there will be emphasis that we share and things we share. We'll do it in our unique way, but we'll agree. The Bible talks about unity. And uh, we, many of you, like us, came up under or influenced by Brother Kenneth E. Hagen uh, and Miss Aretha. And his directive that he got, I want to make sure I read it correctly here, um, that he received, I believe it was back in... Uh, Houston, Texas in 1950 or so, uh, the directive from the Lord. And he said that the Lord, he, he said to him it was an audible voice. Kenneth E. Hagin. He said, the Lord said to him, go teach my people faith. I've taught you faith through my word. I've permitted you to go through certain experiences and you've learned faith both through my word and by experience. Now go teach my people what I have taught you. I believe that directive is a big thing that 
started Rama and to this day is so strong and has influenced all the graduates there and ourselves included. And, and I, I know Phyllis and I do, and I think every graduate of Raymond and everybody who's been influenced, which is many, many people, have that same call. We have a portion of that anointing to do that thing. To accomplish what? Go. Teach my people faith. And as you might imagine, it's no accident that our churches are called faith. (laughs) Life churches and the ministerial organization is called Faith Life International. Faith. Faith. And our program is called Faith School. Faith. Why? Isn't there anything else in the Bible besides faith? You know it. There's all kind of things in the Word. But uh, I had the privilege, I guess this was back, I don't know, maybe four years ago now, of ministering to some ministers over in Oregon, Astoria. It was an interesting situation because we, we met in an upper room, literally, it was, you had to walk up the stairs, and it was an interesting, not very big upper room, and there was 120 of us. <laughs> it just worked out that way. 120 in the upper room. <laughs> and no, we didn't see any flames of fire. <laughs> would have been nice, would have been great. But uh, uh, during that time, I was in a little uh, cabin type thing, and didn't have a phone or anything, and so it was it was quiet. And, and um, the Lord dealt with me to read First and Second Timothy and Titus, and I read them. Of course, you know, not very long. He deal with me, read them again. I'd read, read them again. I'm there for I don't know a few days and read them again. I I read them several times. And you know, anytime the Lord tells you, do it again, what do you know? You had not got it yet. You, I'm telling you, you hadn't got it yet. Do it again, do it again. I'm, I must have done it, I don't know, a dozen times or something. And, and finally, the last couple of times, I kept seeing faith. Faith, 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 faith. Faith, I had never noticed the emphasis on faith that's in those three little books. Faith. And to begin to see what, you know, Paul, writing to Timothy, talked about he saw his tears and God didn't give him a spirit of fear and and don't be ashamed of me and this and that. About what? It wasn't popular To be identified with Paul by that time in some circles, different groups had gotten them some new super apostles. And Paul was old hat. He was last generation. (laughs) And... uh, not with everybody, obviously, but there was a move. And why would you need to tell somebody, don't be ashamed of me? Huh? 
Don't be embarrassed. Why? Because it had become unpopular to preach what he preached. And the thing he kept bringing up to him was faith. Faith, 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 faith. And during that time, I was with these ministers there. The Lord gave me a statement. And uh, well, backing up, he, he took me back to when I first got to Ramah. And I thank God for the Hagans. I thank God for Ramah. Thank you, Lord. And after I had graduated and after I'd been in healing school for a while, they graciously asked me to teach in the school. And so I didn't have a doctorate of theology. I didn't have a lot of higher education in those areas. And I felt, you know, a little bit, um, I don't know, behind the curve to be teaching people in the Bible school. And and so I began to try to branch, you know, and, and I'm, I'm reading big books with uh, long words. And uh, I'm just endeavoring to, you know, see if there's something else that I... Um, should should knowing uh, about theology and the other ologies, and uh, the further I went, something just bothered me about it. I, I it was laborious and didn't feel like I was getting much out of it. And the Lord spoke to me one evening. He said, "Keith, I have many good ministries all over the globe." I could have sent you to any one of those I so chose. I sent you here. Get this. Oh, are y'all with me? I sent you here. Get this. Immediately. You know what I thought of? Go teach my people faith. Huh? Because that's what's there. That's what the commission the Lord gave him. And so I put the big books up and hadn't looked at them since. And I went and pulled out Brother Hagin's little book, What Faith Is. Coming out with me, How to Turn Your Faith Loose. And I went back to the basic and I got all stirred up again. I got, I got all stirred up. And then the Lord began to show me things I didn't see the first ten times I heard that. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, I was actually watching one of the messages that Brother Hagin had taught in healing school. And, and I was seeing things I'd never seen before. And I thought, glory to God, where was I that day? And I, I, I thought I was working during that time. The camera panned and there I was sitting on the ground. No, I couldn't have been there. You can hear and not hear. And a lot of it has to do with your growth. When you develop then you hear things you didn't hear before. It's like a little child can hear things, but they don't know what they mean. They have no point of reference, but they grow and develop a while, and now that clicks, they they know what it means. And man, it it just gets better and better the further you go in God. Man, I've been having some things click this week, and I'm so thankful for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You go, oh, well, that goes with that, and that goes with that, and woo, man. It'll set you free. But then in that meeting, the Lord reminded me of that, that he had told me, I sent you here. 
Could have sent you anywhere. He said, I got a lot of good people all over the globe. I sent you here. Get this. And he said to me that different parts of the body have different directives. He didn't tell everybody all over the globe, go teach my people faith. He's given people different measures and different uh, directions. But with him, and by extension us, and many of you, it was go teach my people faith. And he said, if you, to my me and people like me, if you don't teach faith and minister faith, your ministry becomes irrelevant. Because if you're trying to minister and teach other things, there are other people who are more called and anointed to do that than you are. And you're replicating something. And not only does your ministry become superfluous and unnecessary because there's already a hundred other people doing it better than you. But then there's a gap. Something supposed to be a supply you're bringing to the body and it's not getting because maybe it's not the most popular at the moment. Y'all okay? Can I, can I talk to you about this? Say it out loud. I make much of my ministry. And it's not that we're saying ours is the best. That'd be prideful and foolish. But it's ours. It's our call. It's our emphasis. Hallelujah. And I know when he, when he said that to me, I was actually ministering to them. And I said, if we who were called under this ministry with this directive, go teach my people faith. And this has been such a big part of our lives. If we turn loose of that and we try to do something else and emphasize it more, our ministry becomes, and I just kind of was, was arrested for a moment. I didn't know the next word. Our ministry becomes, and I paused, I said it a time irrelevant and I thought I don't want ministry to be irrelevant irrelevant well that means I need to stay in what I'm anointed to do right and not just change to be changing or try to copy somebody else because I think they're having some kind of success hmm Elsewise, your ministry becomes irrelevant. Yes. Now, there's something beyond this. Faith is not a movement. It is a core doctrinal position that is continuously under attack. The devil hates it. I'm telling you, he hates it with a passion. Because it is the key. You don't get saved without faith. Is that right? You don't get delivered without faith. You don't get healed without faith. It's the victory that overcomes the world. And he knows it. And so he, through all his subtlety and craftiness, he is trying 
to replace it with something all the time. This is not a recent development. Every generation, if somebody gets stirred up about real God kind of faith, living by faith, walking by faith, receiving by faith, alarms go off in hell. (laughs) And uh, evil spirits are sent on missions to stop it. Stop. And the, the, the place to hit is the pulpit. Stop it from being preached. Then the people don't hear it. And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they believe if they hadn't heard it? They can't. They won't. So he fights, the enemy fights faith every generation. And two of the big directions that I've seen that he goes, and I believe I can show this to you in Scripture in just a moment. He tries to get you always away from the rightly divided truth too far one way or the other, in a ditch, but away from the truth, away from the rightly divided truth. He will try, he tries to get people into works, good works. Doing good deeds to get something done to accomplish that. But that's not the only way he pushes. He pushes the other way to try to get people convinced it's all God. It's all up to God. And these, these doctrines are subtle. And the devil quotes scriptures. And he'll take a, a, a phrase that's true and then mix a lie in with it. Oh, he's so deceptive. But what faith is not, it's not works. And it's not all God. Come on, can you see that? And you'll... Those of you that have preached these things, these keep coming up in you, don't you? You have to keep talking about, no, it's not all up to God. Amen. That's right? right? Yes. We have a part to play. The devil hates that because that's truth. And so he tries to obscure it. He tries to get you off of it a little bit and then a little more and then a little more and a little more and a little more. Till all you're preaching is it's all up to God and the biggest, most important thing you can do is to not do anything and let God do it. Let go and let God. But what about fight? The good fight of faith? Lay hold. What about that? Laying hold, letting go, about the same thing? No. No. (laughs) I said no. If you're talking about letting go of worries, yes. If you're talking about casting your cares on the Lord, yes. Yes. But if you're talking about, I just got to get out of God's way and, and, Quit doing anything so that he can do any what he, what he's already going to do. 
And it's all up to God's will and plan. And that is a subtle way of eliminating faith. Replacing faith. And yet notice how conveniently in these doctrines, it's like the devil disappears from the narrative. Everything's God. Everything good is God. Everything bad is God. Well, what about the devil? Where is he? Where did he go? He's still there lying to you. Look with me in the book of uh, Jude, just one chapter. I can sure see why the Lord said, don't rush this. Jude, I'm going to uh, just read the whole thing. One little short chapter. Because you, you get the flow of it. How many believe everything in the Word is so significant, is so important? It just answers so many questions that you didn't even know you had. Jude, one chapter, verse 1. He said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them which are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Is he writing to Christians? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Believers. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. This is an example of releasing faith when you talk to people. He's not just saying howdy. He's saying like we talked the other night, peace be to you. Mercy. Love. He wants them to receive it. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Now this is strong language. Earnestly contend means you got to roll up your sleeve and get after it. Why would you need to contend for the faith? We'd say it like this, fight. For faith. Say it out loud. Fight. For faith. Why would you need to fight for faith? It must be under attack. Hmm? It must be under attack. That you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep going. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. You know what he's getting into? Once saved, always saved. Erroneous doctrine. Hmm? 
he's, he's, the Spirit of God through him is refuting grace only. That the only factor is grace. That's how people that believe in extreme, extremes of predestination and that it's all God. And there are those that, that believe that whether you're saved or lost was predetermined by God before you were ever born. And that everything that happens was predetermined by God before you ever knew about it. If that's true, why pray? Huh? Why pray? Why go to church? Why do anything? Because what's going to happen is going to happen. Regardless of what you do, you can't even decide whether you're saved or not. If it wasn't predestined to be, it won't be. Whatever will be, will be, is a lie. If it was meant to be, it'll be. That's not true. It sounds good. People sing it and quote it and it's not right. He's talking about people who were delivered and saved, later lost. Why? Because you don't lose your will just because you got saved. Afterward, well, let me read the rest of it. I put you in remembrance. The people that were out of Israel saved, afterward he destroyed them that believed not. Believed not. Is he still talking about faith? Believing. The angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He's reserved in everlasting chains under darkness to the judgment of that great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, the reason he mentions them is what he just got through saying, that they were ungodly men that were perverting and distorting, changing the grace of God into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means no restraint. No restraint. Everything's okay. Anything goes. Everything's okay. And Sig Sodom and Gomorrah are the poster children of anything goes. They did anything and everything. And they were destroyed as an example. We're still talking about it all these years later about how they were destroyed because they were so out of control. Keep reading. Likewise, also these dreamers, filthy is added, dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Now, here's a second thing that you see that helps you identify wrong doctrine. There's more than that, I'm sure, but two that I see real clearly in this little chapter. One, wrong doctrine leads to looseness. People get looser and looser and and less controlled, less restrained, and more and more ungodly, more and more like the world. Secondly, and it goes with it, there is actually the word lasciviousness. It literally means lack of restraint. But this means, uh, I shouldn't say means, what he's showing is lack of respect. And those two go hand in hand. When doctrine is sound, you don't get more ungodly 
you get more godly. Is that right? When doctrine is sound, you don't get less respectful. You don't get more disrespectful like the world. You become more respectful, more honoring, more respectful. So when you see things getting looser and less respectful and less controlled, that's wrong doctrine. I don't care how many scriptures they're quoting. See, the core of it is is in something wrong. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. He's talking about respect. Now, keep reading. He said, Michael, the archangel, when he was contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. But we get a behind-the-scene look here. (laughs) This is amazing. And he did not bring against uh, the... The devil, a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yes. Holy beings are not slanderers. Yes. You're a holy being. Amen. Oh, somebody missed that one. I'll sit over here. Holy beings are not slanderers. They are not disrespectful. You are a child of God. You've been made holy. You are not a slanderer. You don't cuss. How many cussers should there be in the church? What percentage? Cussing. You don't need to cuss. If you believe in the power of your words, why would you cuss your lawnmower? It's already having problems. <laughs> or your car, right? That's just, well, it's not smart. Keep reading, verse 10. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally is brute beast. And those things, they corrupt themselves. Now, you've got to go back to the beginning of this. He's talking about ungodly men bringing in wrong doctrines. Keep going. Woe to them. They've gone in the way of Cain, ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for a reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Cory. These are spots in your feast of love when they feast with you. So these are people in ministry circles, yeah. right? They're people, they're feeding themselves without fear, but they are clouds without water, Carried about of the winds, trees whose fruit withers, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. No fruit. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied of them and said, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. To execute judgment on all and convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. There's a lot of ungodly in there. (laughs) And see, no restraint and no respect is ungodly. Keep going. These are murmurers. Complainers, walking after their own lust, their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Beware of flattering prophecies. Is everybody listening? 
beware of flattering prophecies. This is going on now in different circles. People are prophesying to folks about how great they are and and all the big things God's going to do in them and with them, and the flesh eats it up. But it's not right. right. I said it's not right. The Lord uh, doesn't share His glory with man-made stuff. You want God to be glorified in you and in your things. And you know that you can't do anything without Him. Right? Don't let anybody, you know... Uh, Phyllis and I just cringe sometimes when we see people prophesying to kids about how they're going to have a ministry bigger than Paul the Apostle. That's junk. That's wrong spirits in almost all cases. Why? Because the Spirit of God's not going to tell you how wonderful you are and you're the biggest thing and you're the greatest thing and you're going to fix the world. That's Jesus. Jesus. Him and Him only. And and if you yield to Him and He's able to do some things through you, it's still Him that did it. And you just thank Him that you got used somehow. But you are not going to be the man, the woman that saves the nation or the generation. No. No man or woman alive is that or is going to be that. And if somebody starts touting themselves that they are, yeah. it won't be long till they're moved off the scene. Amen. How do we get over there? Well, great swelling words. Having men's persons in admiration. And see, their motive is ulterior. They don't have a voice. So they want to use your voice. They don't have a platform. So they want access to yours. And the enemy knows how much flesh likes to be flattered and inflated. And so that's the way to come in. Oh, that was the most amazing sermon I ever heard in my life. Oh, I thought I was going to go up into rapture when you hit that one, that one point. Walk away. Keep going. Beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there'd be mockers in the last time who'd walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not, in other words, not having the Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Anybody know this verse? But you, beloved... Having said all of that, what's he bring you back to? Build yourselves up on what? What did he start off talking about? Contend for the faith. Right? What does he end up talking about? Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. 
Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Some, some have compassion, making a difference. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Amen. Who gets the glory? He does. He does. Not you, not your church, not your ministry. No, he does. Let me read uh, from a a different translation this this is the Weiss translation. He says, I beseech you to contend with intensity and determination for the faith that was once entrusted to the safekeeping of the saints. Uh, The message says it like this. uh, Fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and cherish. And that's what the Lord pointed out to me that he had entrusted us with faith. Now he has everybody in a measure but not the whole body is to emphasize the same thing. God could have had you fed and developed and nourished from any one of thousands of ministries all over the world. He could have had you born somewhere else. Talking a different language. I mean, but here you are with us. (laughs) I said, here you are with us. And people can mock and they can say what they want and they can bring up, you know, their differences. But we... Our faith in the morning, faith at noontime, and faith when the sun goes down. That's how we roll. Is that right? Faith. 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 You ever get tired of faith? You ever get tired of pleasing God? You ever get tired of overcoming the world? You ever get tired of receiving everything that you need? Then you don't get tired of faith then. Faith. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the faith. The faith that is the victory. Praise God. Look with me over in 1 Corinthians. The ninth chapter. The the, the Lord brought this this verse out to me. See, Brother Hagin, Miss Aretha... They've served their generation and gone on. Brother Old Roberts, Miss Evelyn, and different ones. It's our time. It's your time. It's my time to hold the standard. Right? And to proclaim the revelation and minister it. Does that mean anything to you? Yes. That, that thing that the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin? Go. Yes. Teach my people faith. Yes. I've allowed you to learn faith. Yes. Through my word. Through experiences. Now. You go teach others. 
Don't we want everybody to be at least as blessed as we are? How did we get here? How did we come out of nothing? <laughs> out of lack? Out of ignorance? Out of Anybody know? How did how, you come out? It was faith. It was the faith of God that you learned about and started applying. Well, you don't want to put that aside now and try something else. You dance with the one that brung you. You, you remember how you got to the party. Don't <laughs> you get lost in the woods walking back by yourself. First Corinthians 9. You know what I'm saying? What got us this far? That's what will take us the rest of the way. Amen. The Lord never tells you, okay, forget about all that. Here, here's something completely different and new. No, anything he says to you is going to build. On, build on what he's already shown you. It's not going to contradict any of it. It'll just open it up more to you. You'll see more of it, understand more of it but not a switch out. <laughs> you got to quit preaching this now and start preaching this. Uh-uh. That's not the Lord. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Though I preach the gospel, he said, I have nothing to glory of for necessities laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Who was it, Brother uh, Lester Summerall, that the Lord showed him a vision? There was a casket on one side. There was a pulpit on the other. <laughs> it, was, it was his choice. <laughs> he decided he'd take the pulpit. <laughs> well, what do you mean? You can't expect the Lord to support you and take care of you in your rebellion. He's not obligated to finance every crazy idea you come up with <laughs> or to protect you and support you as you run away from him and, and rebel against him. The way of the transgressor is hard. So uh, he said, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. If against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. Listen to the Amplified on this. Well, this, this means something to me. He said, I am entrusted with a sacred trusteeship and commission. I saw it that week I was out there in, uh, in Oregon. Why the Lord had me keep reading those passages, those passages, because remember he said to Timothy, this unfeigned faith, what does that mean? Not pretend, not fake, not phony, real faith. It was in your grandmother. It was in your mama. And it's in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that faith is a sacred trust. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To be treasured and to be kept and not let anything or anybody rend it out of us. How many know the scripture said the enemy comes to steal the word? He's always trying to do, trying to get that out of you and especially ministers. He certainly doesn't want you telling anybody else about how to live by faith, how to overcome by faith. It is the answer to so many questions. People say, we're we're having so much trouble with our finances. Faith's the answer. (laughs) We're having so much trouble with the marriage, having so much trouble with the body. Faith faith is the answer again and again. When you don't have a clue what to do, what do you do? You trust God. You believe he will give you the answer. You don't just throw up your hands and go, it's all up to God. No, it's not all up to God. But much of the body has never seen this. Much of the believers all over the world, they have never understood this like you do. We are so privileged. Other people have their sacred trust. And they'll give an account before the Lord for how well they did with theirs. We're not to judge one way or the other. But this is ours. Hallelujah. We have been entrusted. A sacred stewardship of the very faith of God. Oh, hallelujah. It's how God himself operates. It's how God himself functions. And you and I are to be good stewards of this trust. We'll have to give an account. For what we did with it. Did we hide it under the bed? You know, did we get a little persecution and decide, I can't, I can't preach faith for finances anymore. People don't like it. They send me ugly grams. I can't can't preach faith for healing. People don't understand it and they, they persecute me. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, not might, not might, shall suffer some persecution just like Paul and Peter just like Jesus good company good company but you got to stay with it refuse to change look in 2nd Corinthians I'm getting somewhere I told you wrong 1st Corinthians 1st Corinthians 4 praise be to God Remember Brother Hagin, I mean, he wouldn't go too long and he'd, he'd get to preaching. He'd get over in the book of Acts and he'd talk about they went into their own company. And without fail, he couldn't go past it. He'd have to stop. And he'd say, I like my own company. <laughs> what company is he talking about? Is there a faith company still around? In the earth? Is there, is there a faith company? Hallelujah. There is. I said there is. I don't know what God told everybody else to preach and do and what kind of trust, but I know what he gave me. I know what he gave us. And we must contribute this to the body of Christ or our ministries become irrelevant. I believe that's the word of the Lord. 
You might say, well, what? And here's the thing that confuses. You can be a giant ministry, and yet when it's all judged, it wasn't precious stone and silver and gold. It was wood, hay, and stubble, and just went away. You can't tell what is producing lasting effect in the kingdom of God by looking at the externals of churches and ministries and preachers. The Lord does not reward size or numbers. Now, granted, we want to reach all the people we can reach, but the Lord rewards faithfulness. Isn't that right? Remember the parable of the talents? I mean, he said the exact same thing to the guy that multiplied two as the guy that multiplied the other. The bigger, he told him the exact same thing. Why? He didn't say yours is bigger. Again, no competition. Because he knows what he gave you. He knows your graces are different and your, what he gave you is different. And that's why we're not qualified to judge because I can't see your graces. I don't know your revelation. I, I don't know. I'm completely unqualified to judge how well you're doing. That's between you and the Lord. He knows. He said in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and what? Stewards of the mysteries of God. When Brother Hagin was on that bed paralyzed, Mark 11, 23 and 24 was a complete unknown to him. And nobody he tried to ask had any clue about it either. He tried to ask people, could faith work today? The woman with the issue of blood, her faith made her whole. Could that happen today? Nobody could help him that he knew of. You see what happens when people that are given faith don't preach it? And even lose it in a generation. And then the next generation is clueless. And they fall back into extreme sovereignty. And everything's God. And we just don't know why things are happening. The enemy's trying to make every generation lose. The ground gained in the previous generation. But not on our watch. Not on her. Not on our watch. We're going to teach this. We're going to proclaim this. And most importantly, we're going to live it. We're going to live by faith, walk by faith. Covers every area. Walk in love by faith. Right? Everything. Everything. Mm-mm-mm. He said, let a man account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards. Everybody say stewards. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Steward. Say it out loud, I'm a steward. steward. Now you might say, well, I'm not a preacher. You're a steward. Everything God gives you is ultimately to share. With somebody, with your spouse, with your children, with your grandchildren, with your neighbor, with your co-worker. You believe it or not? Yes. Every good thing. And why wouldn't you? 
You find out about faith. You receive a healing in your body. You go to work next week and your co-worker's sick. Don't you want them to get the same thing? Right? Then you want to be ready, like we talked about this past Sunday, ready to give an answer to them that ask you about the reason of hope that you have. Ready. Ready to tell them about the good news. And the good news is you can be forgiven by faith. You can be cleansed and washed by faith. You can get rid of your guilt and shame by faith. You can get healed. Your baby can be okay. You get your bills paid. By faith. By faith. And that's our part. I know it's my part. And so a number of these folks have talked about joining with us in a more definite way. And that's why we're going over this again tonight. If, uh, it, it has to be your part. If you and I are pulling in the same harness. Huh? <laughs> if you say, well, I don't know if I like faith that much. Then uh, you, <laughs> this, this is not your place. Because you're going to get tired of hearing about faith. Faith is not a movement. Faith is a core foundational doctrine, doctrinal position. Remember the Bible talks in Hebrews about the foundations of the doctrine, and one of them is faith in God. One of the big ones, faith in God. It's a way of seeing things. It's a way of perceiving things. While so much of the church world is talking about it's all God's will, we just don't understand, and it's all up to God, and we're going, no, 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 dear. No. No. We have a part to play. And our faith is that part. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go with me, if you would, to Ecclesiastes. I think I'm winding up. Thank you. Thank you. Take your time. I like that. (laughs) Who was that? Was that you, Marty? That you said you asked for who would give me five more minutes? (laughs) Marty spoke for us a while back. Marty Blackwelder. And uh, he he said, who will give me five more minutes? And people raised their hand. He said, oh, good. Five, ten, (laughs) fifteen, twenty. I made a note of that, Marty. I thought, hey. <laughs> they all gave him five. So. <laughs> In Ecclesiastes, fourth chapter, and the ninth verse. He said, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. Uh, You know, when the Lord made Adam, he made everything so amazing and perfect, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. We're not created to just be 
isolated. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, that we were talking about earlier, different ministries, he paints a picture of a body and all the different parts in the body. That's us. Yes. We're all parts of the same body. But you know, uh, some parts have direct contact yes. while others don't. Yes. You know, my, my hands have frequent interaction with my head. Hmm? Yes. My feet, not so much. <laughs> now they get me where I'm going. But I don't remember the last time my foot got to the top of my head. And yet they're in the same body. Right? Same body. I appreciate the other parts. But there are parts of the body you are directly connected to. Other parts you hardly see or know anything about in this lifetime. Still part of the body. But you need to know the part you're connected to so that you function and contribute your part. Because an arm does arm things. Right? Not leg things. Arm things. And so if you're joined to the, the arm, then you know we're arming it all the time. Right? And if somebody comes and says, well, why don't you do some foot stuff? You don't go, I don't know. I don't know. My pastor never preaches on foot stuff. I don't know. <laughs> no, you don't have to feel left out and quit comparing. Stop comparing. You're unwise. It's just because you're joined to a different place. You appreciate the foot and the leg stuff. But you realize, no, if I try to do that, I'm not graced to, to do that like they're graced to do that. And if I try to mimic them, I'm going to do an inferior job, and I wind up becoming irrelevant. I really didn't like that word, do you? <laughs> Keep reading. If two uh, lie together, they have heat. How can one be warm alone? If one prevail against him too shall withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Yes. We see the benefits of being joined together. Yeah, it's good. Uh, we're talking about uh, Faith Life International Association and people that are making a further commitment to, to be joined and what's, what's part of this it's the joining of our faith yes. and our anointings yes. And our resources. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of good uh, organizations around. And we're not exclusive. We don't say, well, if you're part of this, you can't be a part of that. If they, if they feel that way, well, that's them. But we don't feel that way. Many good other organizations and places. But we are a faith association. Faith churches and faith ministries and faith evangelists and pastors and faith apostles and prophets and faith teachers. Huh? That's us. And we make no apologies about it. No. 
That's our thing. That's our sacred trust. Faith. And notice what the Living Bible says about this. And this, this is astounding. I, I kept thinking that's what this said, but I couldn't see it that way. And, and I read it in this translation one time, and I always thought it's what it meant. He said in verse 9, two, this is the, the Living Bible, two can accomplish more than twice as much. For the results can be much better. What does that mean? It means one joined to one equals three. Not two. In the business world they call it synergy. Synergy. What do you mean? It means that if I add my efforts as an individual and your efforts as an individual, it equals this. But if we put both of ours together at the same time, it's more than our individual sum. And that is what happens. That's the plan of God because God is a multiplier, not just an adder. He's a multiplier. And he intends that we combine our faith. If any two of you agree, touching anything you have, what's the benefit of that? What's the benefit of that? It, It spurs you. It spurs me. And if I'm dragging a little bit one day, I can call my faith buddy. Huh? And I can say, hey, tell me again. How healed I am. <laughs> and maybe they just got through feeding on a great sermon or something, you know, and their faith, their faith is sky high. They go, healed, healed. Let me tell you how healed you are. You're so healed. The healed people call you healed. You are the healed. picture, poster child of healing. Yeah. I'm telling you, the Lord took all your infirmities. He bore all your sicknesses. He carried all your pains. And you are healed, boy. You are healed, boy. And maybe next month he calls me and says, "Hey, you tell me how prosperous I am." Yes, yes. Well, that's what we're supposed to do as church families. It's what we're supposed to do with each other as ministers and ministries. We combine. Our faith. That's scary to the devil. We combine our faith. We combine our anointings. Man, that's... hmm. You see some amazing things when that happens. There are some people, if if I minister with them, I get things I normally don't get. It's because their anointing does something to my anointing. It kicks, it kicks it into a different gear. And all at once, I'm over here and I'm thinking, man, I had done this in six months. And why? Because I'm with them. That's how it's supposed to be. With these God joined connections in the body that we combine our faith, we combine our anointings, and things happen that would not have happened. With just you or me. Can you see this? 
And then also we combine our resources. Our resources. That includes not just our finances, and, but it includes skills we have and our people have and access that we, our resources. Just this thing with uh, the catch up and get ahead offering. I mean, uh, I'm probably most of you sowed into that back, was that October? That's, that's only what, four or five months ago, whenever it was, sowed into that. Oh, man, that's one of the greatest things we've ever done. I mean, uh, we, we just talked to somebody today, and they're kind of in a jam, but uh, looks like it's easy to fix it. And, and we're already 31 churches and ministries Amen. that have been, and I mean substantially helped. Like they were about to lose their property, now they're not. Like they hadn't even been able to have services because the, the power had been turned off and this and that. Now, uh, they not only got their power back on, they own the building. Yeah. And they didn't own it before. I didn't do that. Phyllis and I didn't do that. You didn't do that as an individual. But together? Oh, come on. Together? Not only could we do it, we did it quick yes. and in a week yes. and easy. Yes. And 31 churches and ministries already helped, and we still got half of our funds remaining. Wow. So we got a ways to go. And that's just us with this. The body of Christ is much bigger. And that's not our job to try. People always have these ideas about you know, boy, if everybody could just get together and everybody could do, I, I know, I know, I know. But most of the body of Christ, you're never even going to see or meet in your lifetime. They're all over the planet. They're living their life. They're doing their thing. And you don't need to, you know, just have some big uh, thought that's not realistic. You want to think about, like the Lord told me. I could have sent you anywhere. Hmm? I sent you here. Get this. And so I'm working on getting this. How about you? Anybody? I'm working on getting this. Everybody stand up and lift your hands and praise God. And give God the thanks. Give God the glory. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Y'all can go ahead and, and get the guys ready.